NPR. This is The Indicator from Planet Money. I'm Darian Woods. And I'm Paddy Hirsch. The Adani Group, one of the biggest companies in the world, is still bleeding out this week after being badly wounded by the American investing group Hindenburg Research. Hindenburg released a report on January 24th claiming the Adani Group has flourished due to fraud and market manipulation and corruption. And they called it, I quote, the largest con in corporate history. The largest con. Boy, that's a high bar. Uh, there are a lot of competitors. I'm thinking about Fire Festival. I'm thinking about FTX. I'm thinking about uh, Bernie Madoff. There are a lot. Well, you haven't even mentioned the banks yet. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The Adani Group is one of India's largest conglomerates with significant interests in ports management and the extraction of coal and iron ore. It denied pretty much everything in the report, of course, but the damage was done. Stockholders have been falling over themselves to sell shares in the group's companies, and the group has lost more than $110 billion on paper. The group's founder, the self-made billionaire Gautam Adani, has himself lost $60 billion in net worth. So much for Mr. Adani and his empire. But what about India? The country has been trying to reform its business and financial sectors to attract much-needed foreign investment. This kind of shock doesn't help. On today's show, we will take a look at what the events over the last two weeks can tell us about the Indian business and financial environment and what the effect on the Indian economy could be. This message comes from Apple Card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase. That's 3% on products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Now, before we book our passage to India, we should probably explain what Hindenburg Research actually did on January 24th and why. Now, Hindenburg has this reputation for sniffing out overlooked or ignored problems in publicly traded companies. And it makes money by publicizing those problems and then short-selling the company's shares. Most of us, when we invest in a company, we bet on the company. We buy the company's shares in the expectation that the value of the shares will rise. And that's so that we can sell them later at a profit. Short sellers, on the other hand, bet against companies. They don't buy shares. Instead, they borrow them and then they sell them, expecting the value to fall. When it does, they buy the shares back at the lower price, return them to the person they borrowed them from, and they pocket the difference. Okay, that sounds like some pretty complicated, slick dealing. But maybe you've got an example that will kind of clarify what's happening here. Well, hopefully this this analogy will show you what goes on in a short sale. Imagine you're a rare stamp trader. And you hear on the grapevine that the British Post Office has found in its archives a roll of a million unused penny black stamps, first issued in 1840. Very rare, very expensive. Right. Um, But because the British Post Office has found a lot, I presume these are going to be less valuable in the future. Absolutely right. Now, you're just one of a handful of people who knows about this little find. So you ask a friend of yours who has one of these unused penny blacks if you can borrow it. You then sell it to some poor, unsuspecting devil for $10,000. All right, $10,000 in your pocket. Very nice. And the next day, the news comes out that the Royal Mail has found a million more of these stamps, as you knew it would, and it will sell them to raise money because Lord knows post offices need help these days. 
Obviously, the penny black stamps are a lot less rare than they were, and therefore a lot less valuable. In fact, you can buy one now for just $5,000. So you do that, and you give the stamp back to your friend, and you pocket the 5K that you've got left. And that's exactly what Hindenburg did with the Adani Group shares. And it was absolutely transparent about it. In its report, it said Adani was a massive con. And by the way, we intend to profit from telling you this. Yeah, which they presumably have done. Shares in Adani Enterprises, the flagship company of the group, fell 55% after the report came out. In fact, trading in shares of five listed Adani firms was suspended, not once, but twice, because they were falling so far, so fast. And Mr. Adani himself will have to pay back more than a billion dollars worth of loans because the collateral, shares in several Adani companies, have collapsed. So clearly Mr. Adani's in trouble. But what about India? The country competes fiercely with other emerging nations like Vietnam for foreign investment dollars, which means that it's under constant pressure to show that it's a safe place to invest. Shirupa Gupta is a professor of political science and international affairs at the University of Mary Washington. This is the last thing India needed. If you are looking for foreign investment, then you also want to signal that the policy framework in the country is strong. The Adani meltdown has done just the opposite. Now, allegations about dodgy business practices have swirled around the Adani group for years. Many have pointed the finger at Adani's close ties to the Indian Prime Minister, Narendra Modi, which means that much of the Hindenburg report is already known. But the report has collated and packaged these allegations, along with a few more, in a way that's thrown a fresh spotlight on several areas that always concern foreign investors. Sweetheart dealing, opaque accounting practices, cronyism, and perhaps most importantly, problems with transparency. There is a lack of transparency. International institutions, such as the International Monetary Fund and others, all say that there's need for more transparency. There are lots of problems in the financial sector. For example, um, Indian public sector banks seem to be overexposed to some of the risks by having lent to these corporate entities. Seem to be overexposed, but who can say? The Adani group is so opaque that it was actually difficult for Hindenburg to get the kind of insight that it would have had had Adani been an American corporation. Mr. Adani said he was going to sue Hindenburg and Hindenburg has said that, yes, please do so and sue us in American courts so that we can force you to open up your balance sheets and your books. Please sue us so that we can get the same view on you that we would get on, say, Apple. Crazy. Yeah, no, that's a sharp response. But while Sharupa acknowledges that Indian companies may be less transparent than U.S. or European equivalents, she says that the Indian government has been working to change things. Yeah, banks have been consolidated and regulators have been created and empowered. As for the concerns raised by the Hindenburg report about accounting practices and corporate governance... I don't think this reflects on how all Indian companies are run, because I think there are a number of companies that are run fairly well and that have done well internationally and they have good management. And I don't know that I would say that this is an indication of an endemic problem in Indian corporate sector as a whole. It's still not clear how the Adani Group's problems might ripple through the Indian economy. The companies that owns are already deep in debt and it will now be difficult for them to borrow the money that they need to grow more. But there are many other conglomerates in India, like the Tata Group or Reliance Industries, that are generally trusted by foreign investors and could step in. As for the financial system, the Reserve Bank of India announced that none of the nation's banks are overexposed to Adani. So the damage should be limited. 
Sharupa says that with a bit of luck, this whole affair could actually benefit India. India has not attracted as much foreign investment as it needs, partly because of lack of reforms. There's need for labor reforms, but I think that financial sector reforms are important for signaling that it is a safe place. A systemic shock like this um, would spur the government to do something, depending on how much of the problems of Indian financial sector get exposed as a result of this particular incident, the government would have to act. Adani himself responded to the Hindenburg report saying that it was an attack on India. But Sharupa says this is Mr. Adani's crisis, not India's crisis. Maybe it could be India's opportunity. This episode was produced by Noah Glick with engineering from Catherine Silver. Dylan Sloan checked the facts. Viet Le is our senior producer. Kate Concannon edits the show. And The Indicator is a production of NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Humana. Employees are the heartbeat of your business. That's why Humana offers group dental, vision, life, and disability plans designed to protect them. Exceptional service, broad networks, and modern benefits. That's the power of human care. This message comes from NPR sponsor Charles Schwab with its original podcast on investing. Each week, hosts Lizanne Saunders, Schwab's chief investment strategist, and Kathy Jones, Schwab's chief fixed income strategist, along with their guests, analyze economic developments and bring context to conversations around stocks, fixed income, the economy, and more. Download the latest episode and subscribe at schwab.com slash oninvesting or wherever you get your podcasts. All that sitting and swiping... Your body is adapting to your technology. Learn how and what you can do about it. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. Once I started realizing what a difference these little bricks were making, there's no turning back for me. Take NPR's Body Electric Challenge. Listen to the series wherever you get your podcasts.